Our reading this morning is found in Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. And I would love for you to pick up your Bibles, to open them, and to read along as Elijah Moffat brings us our reading this morning. Today's reading is Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. Jesus counts the storm. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat, set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down the lake, so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up, rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Good morning, and... uh... Thank you for joining us again. Nicola has welcomed you. Thank you, Elijah, for a wonderful Bible reading this morning. And thank you, Nicola, for leading us this far in our service. Now, this time of the year, normally Nicola is our youth worker, and Nicola would be away with a group of us up to Summer Madness, a Christian festival there uh, up at Glen Arm. But uh, this year, of course, it's not happening, but a number of our folks are doing virtual summer madness, and they put their tents out in their garden, and they're, they're, they're listening online. And I can tell you, summer madness may be virtual, but the weather is real summer madness weather, isn't it? Real summer madness weather. It's raining, it's blowing, and so those folks who are doing virtual summer madness in their garden will feel right at home, no doubt. But that's a great thing that they're doing as well. So over these past couple of months uh, at Orangefield here, we've been in a teaching series that we've uh, entitled Christ When There's Crisis. And we've been working our way through events and encounters in Luke's gospel when we've uh, been seeing Jesus interacting with people uh, who have been in different crises in their lives. And this morning, we're coming to the end of that particular uh, series, and we're looking at a passage this morning that Elijah read for us from Luke chapter 8, and the title this morning is Through the Storm, Through the Storm. I I don't know about you, but I think that this COVID pandemic, it feels like we've been hit by a storm. We've been hit by a storm. And while lockdown measures are beginning to ease, we are still very much in the middle of it. We may already have been going through challenges in our lives before COVID even hit us. And, or we may, like these fishermen on, on Sea of Galilee, they may, we may have been sailing along quite nicely when all of a sudden this squall came down and on the lake of our lives. We may have been going about our normal daily lives when all of a sudden this storm arose And some of us have taken quite a battering, physically, emotionally, spiritually, tossed around in the sea of uncertainty and anxiety and fear. And I guess the reality is that we can find ourselves being hit by a storm, by many different sorts of storm at different times in our lives. Today, it's the storm of coronavirus and the attendant uncertainties and anxieties and fears, but it could just as easily be the storm of of bereavement, 
It could be the storm of physical or mental illness, of unemployment, of, of a broken relationship, of, of addiction, of financial difficulties. The list goes on. The storms in our lives come in many different ways. And the storms are serious. They are dangerous. And just like with these fishermen on the Sea of Galilee, the storms threaten to swamp us. They, they threaten to sink the little boat on which we journey across the Sea of Life. So what does God's Word have to say to us this morning as we face the storms in our lives? What does this passage of Scripture have to say to us today as we continue on in the face of the storm of COVID-19? Well, I believe that there are a number of things that God wants to, to show us from this Bible passage from Luke 8 this morning. And the first of them is this, the necessity of the storm. The necessity of the storm. Now, we don't enjoy the storms, and I don't enjoy the storms any more than anyone else. I really don't. But the storms, they nevertheless, they do come. They come. And while some might paint it's so, and, and probably we all would wish it so, the Christian life does not bring freedom from storms. Being a Christian does not offer us a trouble-free, seal-through life. It just doesn't. And nowhere do we see that sort of teaching in the Bible. Yes, Jesus sets us free, but He does not set us free from the trials of life. And if we approach life with that sort of mindset, then we are headed for trouble. Because when those trials inevitably come in on us, we will be filled with doubt or even despair. In fact, it's not that Jesus says that trials might come or that they will come, but actually that they must come. In the very next chapter of Luke's gospel, in chapter 9, we see that Jesus says in verse 22, He says, the Son of Man must suffer. And then Jesus goes on to say, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. And the early church taught the same truth. In Acts chapter 14, St. Paul writes, we must, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. You see, the Bible teaches not of the possibility or the inevitability of the storms in the Christian life, but actually of the necessity of them. But as we face the storms, we remember who is in control. In this passage, we see Jesus is in complete control of the whole unfolding series of events. Because whose idea was this? Who was it who said, let us go over to the other side of the lake? Yeah, it was Jesus Himself. It was Jesus Himself who took His followers out on this journey into the storm. And you see, if the disciples had any notion that as they followed Jesus, they would have a life free from trials and tribulations, then they were about to come to a very different understanding and realization there in that boat on the Sea of Galilee that day. You see, Jesus was not giving them a life of ease but He was giving them the truth, and He was helping them to understand how to deal with the storms that would inevitably hit them on their journey as His friends. St. Peter, one of those who would have been on the boat that day and learned that lesson, he, he, he wrote, later wrote to the early church 
in his letter at 1 Peter chapter 4. During a time of suffering, he wrote, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But he says, rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the suffering of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. It's a hard truth, and and though we might wish it otherwise, Christians must expect the storms to come, for the trials must come if we are to share in the sufferings of Jesus and if we are subsequently to share in the joy and the glory of Jesus. So, we see the necessity of the storm. We see also the conquest of the storm, the conquest of the storm. What this passage tells us is that whilst the storms must come, they can also be overcome. I love a story with a happy ending. Who doesn't enjoy a story with a happy ending? And this story has such an ending, does it not? I like this story. The story reminds us that the storms come, but more than that, that the storms can be overcome. But we need to remember who does the overcoming, and that is Jesus. As the church, we have quite rightly set up various systems of support for those who face the storms, but we must remember that it is Jesus ultimately who overcomes the storm. Just like on the Sea of Galilee, it is the presence and power of Jesus that overcomes. Notice the disciples. Did you notice that the closest that the disciples even got to even cooperating in the conquest of the storm was their cry for help? In verse 24, a cry for help, that was as much as they could do. The disciples could not overcome the storm on their own. They could only cry out for Jesus to help. It is Jesus who overcomes the storms in the lives of His friends. During the course of my reading for today, I came across a little poem, and it's a little poem entitled, The Maker of the Wind. And here's some of the words that reflect that wonderful truth. The writer says this. He says, I won't be afraid when storms come blowing in, because I know the maker of the wind. When trouble finds me, sneaks up behind me, it trips me up and it makes me fall. But when I'm broken, then you remind me that you have overcome it all. You see, Jesus is the great overcomer. Jesus is the overcomer, and so the first priority for those of us in the storm is that we will want to have Jesus with us, or rather that we will want to be with Jesus. For disciples, for the disciples that day, the difference between sinking and surviving was being with Jesus. As we journey over the sea of life, we can either travel with Him or without Him. And if we choose to travel without Jesus, our little boat will probably be swamped and we will go under. But if we choose to travel in the boat with Jesus, then He will bring us through the storm and safely to that other shore. In this actual event, Jesus was present to the disciples to their sight. 
For us, He must be present to our faith. We must have faith in His presence as we journey together, for the, the truth is simple. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. But praise God. Praise God, for Jesus is with us. Jesus is with us. We sang of this wonderful Bible truth earlier in our service. Faithful one, you are my rock in times of trouble. You lift me up when I fall down. All through the storm, all through the storm, every second, every moment, every hour, every step, all through the storm, your love is the anchor. My hope is in you alone. Jesus is with us by His Spirit and His Word and in our brothers and sisters in His body, the church. As we trust in Him, He is with us. He is with us here and now, and we are with Him here and now. And as well as trusting Him for the here and now, we also acknowledge that He is not only Lord of the present, but He is also Lord of the past. Long before we faced any of our storms, Long before we were where we are now, Jesus had already planned our journey, mapped out the route. My late father, and my late father used to have a sailing boat. And before we'd set out anywhere as a family, before we set out, my dad would lay out the chart on the chart table. And he would take into account the tides and the winds and the coastline and the dangers, and he would map out a route from Strangford Lock to the Isle of Man or up to Scotland or wherever we were going. You see, He planned out our route before, before we set out. And my dad was good at that stuff, and we always reached our destination. And Jesus has done the same for us. Before life even began, before we set out, he had taken everything into account. He had charted out our route. And Jesus is good at this stuff. And we will always get to the planned destination. There's a theological name for it. You see, it's called predestination. But it simply means this. Jesus has laid out the chart. He has marked out the route. He has set the course. He is at the helm, and He will bring us safely to our destination. For even through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. So we are here now. We are here now in this COVID storm, but we are not here without His knowing. We are not here without His knowing that we would be here, and we are not here without His knowing and without His planning to bring how He would bring glory and blessing out of us being here. For just as in our Bible reading, Jesus will always bring glory and blessing out of the storm. He will. He is Lord not only of the past and the present, also Lord of the future. And we trust our futures to Him as we see the sort of futures His first disciples had as they entrusted their lives to Him, as they trusted Him to bring them through the storm of Luke 8. What He had up ahead for them we will see in a moment as we look to the purpose of the storm. But the outcome of their lives was in His capable hands, and ours is similarly and as securely in those capable hands of Jesus. 
Throughout the New Testament and the history of the church, we see Jesus helping His people through the storms, perhaps not always as, we, as they had expected, but helping them through nevertheless in accordance with His perfect will and purposes. You see, Jesus may not give us the kind of victory we expect, but He will give us the victory. It may be relief, but it may be more likely be endurance. He may take us out of the storms, but He will more likely bring us through the storms. Whatever the storm and whatever, however He helps us. St. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 8 that in every trial or tribulation that life or even death can throw at us, every storm or gale that might assail us, we are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. So, we've seen the necessity of the storm, the conquest of the storm. And thirdly and finally for this morning, we look at the purpose of the storm. For the purpose of this storm in Luke chapter 8, I think we, we must look into the next chapter of Luke's gospel. For in chapter 9, we see Jesus sending out the twelve to proclaim the kingdom and to heal the sick. It was in preparation for this launching out into the mission of God that He had brought them through the experience of the storm. They would have the gospel on their lips and the gospel in their lives, the good news of the presence and power of Jesus as a lived experience. As they preached the good news of the gospel, they would preach it from the experience of the storm. They would preach it having experienced the love and power of Jesus in the difficult times. And the witness of the church ought to show that we are, we are not people who live trouble-free lives, but neither are we people without resources with which to deal with the trials of life. The, the miracle of the church of Jesus proclaims and demonstrates is the power to cope with the storms of life. The people of God are neither free from the storms nor helpless in the face of them, but through Christ we are victorious over them. As we experience His help through the, the storm, so our faith is strengthened. We are like trees that have been planted. And as the wind blows, a healthy tree's roots develop. The, the, the stimulation actually strengthens the root system and helps them to stand firm and to bear fruit. And the experience of the storm, it keeps us real and it keeps us relevant. The experience of the storm equips us to help others going through their storms, perhaps particularly through similar challenges, circumstances, or situations to, to which we're already in or already have come through. We think of Paul's words in, in his letter to the Corinthians, his second letter in chapter 1. Paul writes this, he says, "'Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion.'" and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. There is a well-known old song that we sometimes sing here at Orangefield. It's a song called, It Is Well With My Soul. This is a song that has brought much comfort to so many people over so many years. 
Perhaps you know the song, but do you know the tragic story behind such a powerful song? Let me briefly share with you that story just now. This song was was written not by a man who was riding high and living a life of ease. No, this song was written quite literally in the middle of a storm. The song was written by Horatio Spafford, and Spafford was a lawyer and a senior partner in a large law firm in Chicago. He was an elder in the Presbyterian Church and a supporter and friend of of the famous American evangelist D.L. Moody. In the spring of 1871, Spafford invested in property in Chicago. In the autumn of that same year, the great fire of Chicago reduced the city to ashes, destroying most of Spafford's investment. Two years after the devastation of the great fire, the Spafford family planned a family trip to Europe to support a mission being held there in England by D.L. Moody. Issues arising from the fire, however, kept Horatio from joining his wife and four, four daughters who set sail for England ahead of him. And on November the 22nd, 1873, when crossing the Atlantic on the steamship Ville de Havre, the ship was struck by another ship, the, the Loch Urn, and it sank within 12 minutes. It sank within 12 minutes, and 226 people, including all of Spafford's four daughters, were lost in the accident. His wife, Anna, survived the tragedy, and when she arrived in England, she sent him a a telegram that read simply, saved alone. As Horatio Spafford sailed to England to join his wife, having lost his property in the Chicago fire, and having lost his four daughters in the shipping accident, he wrote the song, It Is Well with my soul. Through the storm, through losing his property, losing most of his family, but trusting in the plans and purposes and love of Jesus, Horatio Spafford was able to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Just as I finish, as we come to communion now, as we come in the midst of the COVID storm, as we come trusting in Jesus' death and resurrection for our salvation, as we come trusting in the presence and power of Jesus with us, trusting in the plans and purposes and love of Jesus for us, let me just share a couple of verses of this song with you. And as we meditate on these verses, trusting ourselves afresh into Jesus' care and keeping for the days ahead, Let us make these words our own. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate, and hath shed his own blood for my soul. It is well, it is well, it is well with my soul. Shall we pray for a moment? Let us unite our hearts before God. Lord, we thank you that even though the storms of life do come, 
even though they are necessary for the child of God to deepen our faith in you. We rejoice in the knowledge that you are with us through the storm. Please help us to trust you more. Help us to trust you for our salvation. Help us to be aware of your presence and your power, to trust in your plans, your purpose, and your love, to know that you give us the victory over the storms of life and will bring us safely to that other shore. Help us to be able to say in the midst of the storm, because you are with us, it is well, it is well with my soul. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.